Hello, and welcome back to another edition of the Worth to Wealth podcast. I am LaShonda DeBrew, your host of the Worth to Wealth podcast. And today I am so excited. We are here um, with the lovely Miss Adair today. Um, and Adair is going to share a little bit more about herself in a minute. But um, again, for those who are new to listening to the Worth to Wealth podcast, this is a a show and my passion here where I am showcase, showcasing and bringing before you boss ladies and women who have monetized their skill set, who are um, maybe they transition from nine to five and or they could be a parallelpreneur um, just to motivate, inspire and give you all tips, information, aha moments and all of that to help you keep moving, to get unstuck, and to just uh, give you a glimpse and insight into boss ladypreneurs who are just doing it, you know, where you are able to get your support for moving forward and to keep going. And Mr. Dale, welcome, and thank you for accepting the invitation to be a guest on the Worth to Wealth podcast. I'm happy that you're here today. How are you? I am well. I am well. How are you doing? Doing fine. Doing fine. <laughs> so uh, please just tell the listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do. So I'm Dr. Adair and I am the CEO of Johnson Tribe Publishing and the Executive Director of the Empowerment House. And with the publishing, we work with writers who want to become best-selling authors and we help them and we teach them the skills, the strategies and techniques that they need in order to publish their books effectively and economically. Um, And through my empowerment house, that's where through our processes and presentations and programs, we help to motivate, empower and inspire women and teens to move towards positive change. Great, great, great. So, How did you start out? Because I know, I think from what I recall, you and I met, um, let's step back a minute. You and I met at a mastermind in Georgia, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. right? And we ventured out. I know I ventured out on that. And I'm sure I've shared this with you all, maybe on another segment of Worth the Wealth. But a lot of the women that that I bring on are women that, of course, I've met along my journey. So you might hear this many times, but (laughs) there's another one of those women that I met there. And I was sharing this to say that with us, obviously we were seeking something, looking for something. Um, I know for me, I had been in business a few years and um, I was looking at that time to brand, rebrand or to figure out what the next Mm -hmm. move was for me because I had taken myself up for so far and um, I needed something more. I knew it was still something more. So for you, what was that that brought you to that mastermind? So you did not start out, obviously, in publishing. You were, right. what were you right. doing prior to that? So prior to that, I was a certified school counselor, and I had just retired that December. Walking it back a little bit, I had published my first book, uh, July of 2012. And after I published the book, how did, that I received, how did you publish the book? 
Okay, so I have, I always tell people writing isn't what isn't just what I do, it's a part of who I am. So my entire life, I have been a writer. My dad was a journalist, so I think okay. it's just in the bloodstream. So I knew that I wanted to write a book. Um, I knew I had lots of journal writings, like many women do, lots of journal writings and just lots of poetry. And I, that was the way I expressed myself best mm-hmm. through the written word. And a girlfriend of mine had published her book. And I asked her, well, how did you get it done? Because, you know, self-publishing was brand new to me and it wasn't as it stands today, mm-hmm. you know, where you just go and self-publish. It's much easier today than it was in 2012. Mm-hmm. And I think she published hers maybe 2010. But anyway, she explained to me how to do it. And I just decided one day that I just want to do this. So I took my time to write the book and I had it in my mindset that I was going to get it published. I was offered a publishing deal through a large publishing house, but they wanted me to wait. Yes. Wow. First one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so they wanted me to wait 18 to 24 months to get it published. And I wasn't willing to do that because I was too excited. I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, I want to go ahead and get this book, you know, published. So I did the research and I checked with my girlfriend who had self-published and she told me what to do. And I did a lot of research and I was able to pull it together and get it published. Wasn't my best work, but you know, done is better than perfect. And so, and then the feedback that I received, it just made me just feel like, oh my gosh, I never felt that passion. It'd been a long time. Let's put it like that. I had felt that passion about work before, but it'd been a long time. So once I published it, got the feedback, had what I felt were great sales. Um, When I look back at it now, (laughs) great is an ambiguous term, but it felt good. Um, Then I had an emotional uh, paradigm shift. Um, someone close to me suddenly passed away. And so it makes you question your own mortality. So I said to myself, working as a school counselor, I had never planned to do that my entire life. Even though I enjoy doing it, I had more dreams. And I realized that you know, just because you accomplished one dream doesn't mean you have to stay with that dream. When you finish one dream, you move on to the next one. So I was ready to move to the next dream. So that being said, I made the conscientious decision to retire that December. So I published my first book in July of 2012 and I made the decision to. I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt, but I'm interrupting. But so you weren't retiring or the decision to retire at that point came because of the emotional shift. If you didn't yes. have that shift, then you probably would have still been there another few years or so, even though you were eligible to retire. Yes, but let me just say this. Um, I had to take a financial hit because in education, it's typically 30 years that you can retire without penalty. I was retiring after 27 and a half. And so I did go down and speak with HR or retirement people, and they told me what I was up against. But she also explained to me what the difference would be, the money I would lose between retiring two and a half years in advance versus the money I would receive if I waited, you know, the next. And she said, if you have these book sales, if you have an option for another stream of income, then you can replace that money with your 
other stream of income and then you wouldn't have to work that was all she had to tell me talking about yeah yeah so even to this day my goal my monthly goal is to surpass the base level of what she quoted me Oh, oh, cool, cool. Okay. So, so that is my found, and I feel that every month now I've surpassed it. You know, most months is you know, I it's not it's a no brainer, but mm -hmm. that's my target every month, so that I know that I'm doing what I set out to do. So it was the emotional push, but I didn't just walk out and quit my job. You know, I took the necessary steps to ensure that it could be done. You know, um, so but the I most turned important in my point though is that you did have um you had that epiphany, you know, from that emotional mm -hmm. shift mm -hmm. and it was to the point or it was big enough for you that you were willing to still take that leave with that jump. I mean Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Because that's one of the things I talked about in my book. Um, I use an acronym called Go Hard. And the D is dreams, depth, and destiny. And when we talk about dreams, depth, and destiny, What's the we're acronym? really talking Break down the acronym for us. Go hard. Uh, so go hard. The G is getting over yourself. The O is overcoming your odds. The H is hustling and healthy balance. Uh, the A is anger. How do you deal with anger? The R is resilience, and the dream and the D is dreams, depth, and destiny. What's the A for again? Anger. Anger. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And dreams, dreams mm -hmm. or destiny or destiny. Dreams, depth, like going oh, deep, okay. depth, and destiny. Oh, that's nice. Okay. And so in that I speak about, because I'm a firm believer, Langston Hughes wrote, what happens to a dream deferred? And my answer has always been nothing, don't let it happen. So you have to work a dream to live a dream. That's good. <laughs> I mean, he asked the question and that's my answer. Nothing. Don't let it happen. You have to work your dream to live your dream and you have to create a plan because we all know that a dream without a plan is just a wish. Yeah. Hello. Yes. So, so where it is in your mind, in your head, like, yes, exactly. Exactly. So you have to have a system. And so I say between July and the end of September of 2012, I created that system that would allow me to move on to my next dream. And so I had a family that was dependent on my income. So it was no walking away. I quit. I can't stand you, you know, leave at the trap of a hat. So it was planned. It was a quick plan because it was the end of September and my last date was November 30th. So within two months, I had planned that retirement. And so based upon, I knew in my heart that I wanted to do more with writing. I didn't know where it was going to take me. I didn't know anything about business models and business plans and I didn't know anything. It was just an emotional move that I had done my I researched meticulously and met with the right people and I was going to make it happen. So fast forward to January or maybe that November, December, part of my research was learning about marketing. And I had, through a women's business empowerment group, was introduced to Marshawn 
through that, you know, through her uh, post. And I think she was doing a few free workshops and all of this was brand new to me. And so when she opened the doors, you know, I was on one of the calls and they, I was just fascinated by it all because I had no idea of the behind the scenes of all of this. Right. And so that's how I ended up registering and going to the mastermind that year. Okay. When you and I met, um, and lots of information, I can say in those three days, I took 60 pages of notes because that's how I think we all did. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It just, uh, I was just, you know, not overwhelmed in a bad way, but it was, it was like going, learning a foreign language for me because I knew nothing about the business world. Right. Okay. So while you were in your position as a counselor, then you weren't necessarily working the business at that time. You were writing the books, but you hadn't pushed to sell anything or you were writing, you had written other material, but um, you hadn't pushed that to sell it or do anything with that from a business standpoint. But it was when you had this shift and you decided, okay, I'm writing this book, um, the book that you wrote. Well, that was the one get over it that was the first one yes that was the first one how to bounce back after hitting rock bottom and let me just say the very first book the book cover was different the title was different because again i was operating out of emotions what i thought was the right thing because i'm a writer i'm often long-winded i didn't know any better on what i did but again done was better than perfect i got the book out people were buying it people loved it people were amazed i was getting phone calls this before all the well we received text messages then but before social media you know mm. really took off but just a lot of support you know for what i had done um when i first wrote the book i didn't write the book with the intention of retiring early you know because at the same time where I say working your dreams and, you know, and the H I just said, you know, was hustling. Mm -hmm. I was also a full-time professor because that was another dream that I had. So I was balancing being a full-time counselor with being a full-time professor. So again, I still had that income, that financial security, what I thought was multiple security. Stream. Yeah, right. Yeah, multiple streams. Mm -hmm. I had those in place when I decided to leave and being able to maintain our current lifestyle, that can was just, one of the That's important. Things. That's important. And can we just talk about, um, or pin it right there to speak to how much that did help you at least with leveraging, um, starting your business when you moved on or creating yet another stream of income past the retirement, um, with you having, the multiple things you were doing, you account, you are a counselor, mm -hmm. then you were also a professor, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I think then that was in your area of um, studying your discipline when you created those multiple streams. So yeah, when yeah. you go into get into entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. that's the same thing. It's just in a different pool is in a different area, but it's still the same thing. You just create creating another stream. And then from that, maybe multiple streams of arms coming off from that within your business of entrepreneurship. And mm -hmm. it's very important, um, obviously, and looking at the times that we're in there with Corona, it's very important to have those multiple streams because you cannot depend on just one. And you want to, you said something, another, made another point that was important that you want to make sure that you're able to maintain your level um, of lifestyle Mm -hmm. and whatever it is that you're doing and being consistent mm -hmm. with doing right. that. Um, 
So can you, is there any more that you can say or share with how much that did help you with um, obviously leveraging, stepping out there when you, when you decided, okay, I'm going to retire and I'm going to do this new thing or newer thing, you know, mm-hmm. how those other, having, having that foundation helped you? Well, it's important, even though I say I didn't know anything about business plans, I feel like I had a business plan, a household business plan on how we were going to run the household um, with the money we had coming in. It was, you know, balancing that, um, the highs and lows, you know, what could have, would have, should have, but maybe and never was and never will be. Um, I just didn't know. It, it, it was very um, strategic. Everything I had to do was strategic in the moves that I made because I had an entire family dependent upon me. Yes, my husband worked, but we're a dual income household. And we had children in private school, a child in college. I mean, we had like bills, like grown people bills. Um, so it, 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 the mindset, you know, it was, it definitely was a paradigm shift. Right. Right. Um, and again, so with me, um, because I, you know, I am a nine to fiver as well as being in business. And it's always been a mission of mine. And that's what I, that's where I like to speak into lives of women, especially with creating their own economy and establishing mm-hmm. that even if you're working a nine to five, you know, that you can still be doing something else and you need to create and be doing something else and a lot of people get stuck because they're like i don't know what else i can do and right um, right you know or they feel they don't realize that they are created for that which they are you know Mm -hmm. and that's when obviously you know or that's when i share with them that they're not on the job by osmosis it was still by the work of their hands it's still the skill set that they bring to or they've brought to that job is still other skills that they've picked up along the way so you Mm -hmm. still would take that and just like when you apply for another job you see another one or you feel it's time for me to move or you're not getting what um what you think you should be getting from there or being valued as employee and you're like okay you go on a search for another job that's the same thing you would do you know stepping out into Mm -hmm. whatever you know you just you're taking that same mindset and saying okay i need to create this but when you go into entrepreneurship, then you are freeing yourself from all those things that are tie you up and hold you down and can hold you back because now you're no longer having to de- depend right. on that one thing and you're not leaving it in their hands. And again, in the days and the eyes of Corona, you know, the Corona and back when we had the government shutdown for those that um, were federal employees and that was all that you had, it's like, oh, that's just an eye opener into... Mm-hmm okay, yeah, I thought about it or I should have been doing it, but I didn't. So now, you know, people are ready to jump out there, but then you were dropped out there before Mm -hmm. you jumped out there. So it's always best to do it, you know, beforehand. So just to hear you talk about, you know, how you had those multiple things going on and you were thinking Mm -hmm. like that beforehand, this is just what I would like to share with the women as well for those who have not thought about it or mm-hmm. for those who you've heard people talking about it, but you figure it would not, it didn't hit home with you or wouldn't come up, come up with you. Yes, it will come up, you know? So 
it's best for you to get ahead of it and figure out something sooner than later. Yes. yes so then absolutely. moving on from um, the retirement. So you came, you saw, so you had all that going on. So now with the mastermind though, what were, what more were you looking for at that point? What? So let's be clear. I was very successful at that time. I could have stopped at that moment because I had a career. I had two careers, very successful money coming in, you know, in the top percentages of minority women earning power, you know, at the time, you know, all of that. And I remember but, you sitting in the back of the room and you had your stack of books. You had the books actually that, that you had written or whatever, or the other ones that you were using in the school year. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, I just knew at that, at that time that when they say money can't buy happiness, yeah, it can make you a bit happy for a while, but if something that's internal and you're not getting fulfilled, then money can't buy that. You have to do what's going to fulfill you. When I say, when I wrote that first book and I released it, not just the response from the people, but it was like I birthed another child. Wow. It was that feeling, that exhilaration, that yes, this is what I'm supposed to, just like I know that I was made to be a mom. It's what I do. And I know I do a good job at it. Mm -hmm. I knew that writing wasn't just what I do. It was a part of who I am. So the, once I did it the first time, I knew there was no turning back. I didn't know that I was going to leave my, you know, comfortable position as a counselor at the time until again, you know, there were things happening at the job that it was just God saying, you got to go, you know, um, you need to listen to what's happening. And I took the leap and I tried it. So when I went to the mastermind, it was to learn about the business aspects of everything. Uh -huh. Like, what did I need? Because I wanted to then take my message to the masses. I wanted to be able to speak my truth, stand in my truth, and share my truth. Um, because of the response I had received to the book, the different stories that I would get from people who could relate to what I shared in the book right. made me feel like I need to get this bigger and better and do this more. Little did I know that going to the mastermind, I would learn, so did everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, but it was good because it allowed me to be among like-minded like women and some men. Whereas in my cocoon at the university and my cocoon at the school, that didn't happen. There was no one to have these conversations with. And so what, where I know that, you know, not, not going to a whole spiritual thing where I know every, I have followed the steps God has ordered for me. You because can go in into a spiritual thing. This is okay. <laughs> so I know that I've, I always lean on my triple shields of grace, faith, and mercy. And that's what guides me. And so I listen to what God says to me. So that was part of the epiphany where he was saying, you're done. And so I would tell people, they say, why are you leaving now? Because I'm done. I don't know. That's the only explanation that I could tell them between September and November 30th. I'm done. You know, I whole thing about I want to speak. I want to write more. I would just say I'm done because I was done. But right behind me at the mastermind where we met was a young lady who owned a successful publishing company over a million dollars. She sat right behind me. 
and there was a graphic designer or web designer who sat right wow. next to me. And look at God. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and so those three days when we had to converse with the people around us allowed me to learn from them. The lady right behind me, she, when we, when she found out what I was doing and we were just chit-chatting, she said they had a course called the Best Sellers course, and that would teach me more about the publishing. I said, okay. I signed up immediately. She gave me the link. I signed up immediately. And so this young lady now, fast forward, is like a multimillionaire. Wow. <laughs> Not because of her books, because she said she came because she wanted to do what Marshawn was doing on bigger stages. Okay. She wanted to be a speaker. She wasn't I know who you're talking about too. I know. Oh, I don't mind. I mean, I can yeah, give no, you No, but I was just thinking, because I was just thinking back like when we were there and I was like, now who is that? Whatever. But I know who you, yes. Uh -huh. Yeah. I mean, I could share the name. I don't care. I mean, it's Tiffany yeah. Montgomery. Yeah. So Tiffany sat right behind me and Tiffany was, she was working with Tressa Azarell, who now has movies on BET, on TV. Wow. TV one she has what I mean I mean she has she has moved on because between the two of them Tressa owned the publishing company and um, Tiffany worked with her to do the trainings and all of that okay. and so it became I went to work with them that summer I didn't jump into Marshawn's program because I wanted to realize how can I make my next books better and because writing was my passion I went to work with them and then I came back to work with Marshawn. Okay. So it was, I knew it was, but God with Tiffany was right behind me because she had the answers to all of my questions. And after I did their mastermind, I then signed on to work with them one-on-one. -on -one. That summer of 2013 and working with them, I was able to redo second edition of my first book, and we changed the cover, we changed the title, wow. we changed the branding. So my first, my second book was really my first book. And then we also came out with my teen version because they knew I was passionate still about working with teens. They said, you can take this book, change the language in areas and make it a teen For book. A different audience. That's right. Repurposing. There it is. Uh -huh. So that summer I came out with two books that summer. So wow. it just kind of snowballed after that. So after working with them, so I worked with them from like maybe May to October you know, I, I, they said, you're ready. And I just went out and I just, wow. every time I would write, I would publish, I would learn, I would take whatever classes I could also the free classes following people. I started understanding the business and the marketing still was tricky for me, but I was also told to hire your experts. And as long as it was economically feasible, you know, I started hiring, you know, the experts to help me with the marketing things. So it all kind of flowed, but it flowed with the purpose and with the reason. Purpose and a reason, and it also not just flowed, but for those who are listening, if you heard her, everything connected when she just stepped out, when she took the steps. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. those things, that's the God thing. I mean, yeah. it, and whatever she needed showed up where she was at the time yeah. that yeah. you needed it. Exactly. So, and it was it was your um as you spoke, it was your faith. And it was definitely grace, you know, yes. for you. Yes. Um, that was there, but that's all a part of 
those core items that we, you know, that we need and what will get you through in this whole entrepreneurship journey, you know, um, yeah. for those mm-hmm. of us, um, the Christian believers, but you know, it's that grace and that faith and getting over the fear it part is. or feeling the fear, but still moving out and just doing it, you know, right? do it afraid. That's, that's the one thing that stood with me is do it afraid. And I left, I ended up leaving a lot of money on the table when I retired early, even though I filled in the gap, you, you know, just that, to, you made up for that. Okay. Yes, and yeah. Like you said, it wasn't, it's not just, it's not about the money and it's yeah. not just about mm-hmm. the money or whatever, but there's more to come behind that. If you follow mm-hmm. your heart, your pur- purpose and passion mm-hmm. and what the Lord and what he's spoken to you, mm-hmm. you know, and your, that dream, you know, that you had in your vision, if you follow that, then all of that, you will reap that and more, mm-hmm. you know, and just walking that whole thing out. And not only that, what I did was in following the steps that had already been ordered for me, I still work with teens, but I'm in control of how I work with them. I still get contracts going into schools and delivering my programs to teens. Delivering, I've written the teen books, and I work with faculty members. I go to national with an even greater impact. I mean, you know, exactly on your time. Exactly. And I get to do, I get to do, I pulled out what I love to do. As a matter of fact, even today, I had a principal, I had delivered the program to his teens last year at his school. And he called me today and said, I need some of your books. And I said, I need your curriculum. I was like, for what? For whom? You know, nobody's in school. What are you talking about? He wanted the books for his daughter. He, he said, send me the invoice. I sent the invoice. He said, put the books outside. I put the books in the bag. He bought all four, put them on the porch, and he came to pick them up today. That's the type of impact. So I'm still doing my work. I'm just doing it differently, you know, and I've been able to follow along that. Now, of course, you didn't just jump from point A to point B. You have to have a system in place and you have to do the work. That's the other thing. You've got to do the work to get to that point for someone to just call you and say, I need some of your books out of all the books in the world. This is a principal who I'm sure has access to a lot, but he asked for my work because I did the work. That's good. That's good. So you were, you wrote, you write personally and then you have the publishing company. Yes. So can you speak to the business owners and those of us out there about telling our story and the importance of telling our mm-hmm. story. I don't know how you decided to come up with the book that you did come up with at the time, or unless that was something that you were already okay. writing on before, but mm-hmm. So to answer to your latter question, I didn't have a plan to write a book. I had a plan to tell my story and the best way to tell it because I love to write was through the book. And what happened was what I would always get as I, you know, through, I guess my, uh, once I had my first son and then I had the other boys, my husband and I together have raised 10 kids. Only four are biologically ours and we have an adopted daughter and other kids have just come. You know, our house has always been a cool, Kool-Aid house where everybody kind of comes. We take care of everybody from my mother-in-law, my brother-in-law, my brother, his kids, everybody has kind of come through here. Right. And so working a two full-time jobs, still keeping the boys active, still doing everything, I would always get these questions, even before the children, when I was just in graduate school, I was working full-time and in graduate school at the same time. But I always get that question, wow. how do you do it? How do you do it? And my 
question was all, my answer was always, I just do it. Like, what do you mean? You just do what you have to do. Finally, I said to myself, you know, maybe there's something to this. If everyone is asking me, how do I do it? How do I do it? Hello. So, <laughs> so I sat down and really I did the outline of my first book of the, the, the theory, go hard on my phone. And I would always tell people, I just go hard. You know, I go hard in the paint. You do what you have to do. Do right. what you have to do before you do what you want to do. Duh. Right. Right. <laughs> I felt like it was natural to me. I mean, it was natural to me, but it doesn't come natural. It doesn't come it organic doesn't. to everybody. It does not. No. So with that, through my phone, and I still have it listed on my phone in the notes section, I wrote down what the G was and examples, the O, the A, and so on. So that's how I okay. took the word go hard, and then I filled in the blanks. So with that being said, and I told my story, then everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people kept telling me I've always wanted to tell my story I can relate to you when you said you did this I can relate to you when you did that oh my god I went through the same thing so I would always say well you need to go ahead and tell your story mm-hmm. people would like I don't know where to start you know I'm not a writer I mean just a lot full of excuses you know and it's just like mm, no that doesn't work for me so then through the mastermind courses that we took I learned that I can take my knowledge and then turn it into a business. Whereas I was even told by Marshawn, you got to stop just giving it all away. And she said, you don't realize your writing is a gift. Not everybody has that. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, but they can still tell their story. And through those classes and the things, the exercises we did, the activities and the people I met, I was able to take my knowledge and turn it into the business. Um, whereas I took it for granted. I knew even in college, I would help everybody write papers. In right. high school, I would look at paper like, you giving that in? You turning that in? You know? <laughs> well, that was just so, your thing, period. Yeah, that was just. That was always my thing. Just And not even so much the editing with the grammar usage mechanics, because I hate that. I'll put a colon and semicolon all up in the wrong place. Okay. You okay. know, I don't get that right. But just the flow of ideas and the words, I can take you know, sentences and make them, I like people to to feel your words and I can do that. But I didn't realize everybody couldn't do, or I didn't pay attention to that. And so through the mastermind, I just learned how to take my God-given talents, blessings, skill set, and be able to teach other people how to do it. Yeah, even if we weren't ready to use it yet, because we got a whole lot of stuff from there. So yeah, yeah. And you asked me about why is it important to tell your story. It's important to tell your story to me because you may be able to help other people who are going through what you have been through. For your business, you can position yourself as the expert. You can do it as um, you know a how-to book because just like I took my gift and my story is what propelled me um, to have the business that I have now. You can be that go-to person. You know, it can be a passion project. Maybe you love doing something and you can share with the world because somebody can learn from that. If it's something that's more self-help, your tragedy can be turned into triumph. You You don't have to be the victim. You can be victorious and you can help other people with your story. And for some, it's cathartic. Um, When I do the collaborative books where individuals, I will get a group of authors who just want to tell their stories. Many of them aren't interested in writing an entire book. 
but they want to tell you tell their story to get it out. It's cathartic for them. Right, it makes right. them feel, let me just get it out. So it's important to tell your story because it needs to be heard for many different reasons. And if nothing else, you can touch the life and improve the life, improve the life of someone else. And when you say that about it being cathartic, yeah, that's basically what journaling is. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's really your book and your story. Yeah. Um, you've just been breaking it down into your short excerpts or whatever um, in your journal, and you could be you can put those together or whatever yep. that is, and then that yep. could be absolutely as well. I work with a lot of authors who say they've been journaling for years, and the struggle that happens is that they don't know how to put it together, and that becomes my job to work with them to pull it together so that it presents effectively and efficiently so that they can benefit from it economically right that's good look, look this this is the one that love that knows how to play with the words <laughs> so yes, you went yes. uh we've touched on the counselor you as the counselor we've touched on dr adair we touched mm-hmm. on the publisher the author then you went on to speak when did that part come in which we know uh, you know obviously where we heard that and what we were taught mm-hmm. as well but for you when was it that you were able to step into that So that happened kind of organically because I work with youth. Um, When I would go in, I would speak to them and then perhaps I would be asked to speak to um, faculty members. But for years, even as a counselor, I would do presentations at national conference, at local, regional, and national conferences. I would go, it was scholarly, but nonetheless, I would do presentations. And many people would say to me afterwards, my gosh, you know, and this is research, and this is more, you know, where everyone's like stiff and just, you know, but the way I communicate, it really touched people. So I was asked to you know, one thing led to the other, you know, presenting at these conferences, I would be asked to present at a school system. Someone would see me in a meeting and I would, you know, say something in the meeting, then they would ask me to present, you know, to the board of commissioners or to, you know, to the difference is I was doing a lot of it for free. Mm -hmm. So when I went into the program, that's when I learned how to speak for pay. How then I, I learned how to position myself. Social media became very uh, important and popular. I started writing blog posts, started getting a following. My name started to emerge in the right areas because I would write to my target audience and then people wanted to hear more from me. So initially, yes, I was a nobody. In many circles, people still don't know about me, but it was putting my name out there primarily through my blogs. Even now in social media, I don't do a lot of long blogs, but I do a lot of motivational, inspirational quotes and so on. And um, people still reach out to me, you know, and they just ask me all the time, you know, I would get requests. Well, in this day and age, nobody's getting requests for, um, you know, coronavirus live speakers. Uh, But I am asked to be on lots of virtual town halls and panels. I've been on four since, you know, this all started in March. So that's how the speaking began. Um, I had been speaking all along, but with a different audience. And then it slowly kind of, I still do both scholarly and motivational um, and just getting what they say, getting your name out there, letting the world know that you exist. Yes, 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 yes. Um, So we've talked about 
all that you have accomplished. We've talked mm-hmm. about, um, we see how you just go, go, go and do that thing or whatever. Um, so now I'm sure that they're listening and they're like, yeah, okay, but can we just, uh, you know, talk about the realness, get down to it, mm-hmm. you know, as far as how are you able to overcome your challenges or the times when um, you may have in your mind, I mean, we know you are the get over it queen. We know, mm-hmm. we know that. And um, we know you've written many things on it, but we also know that as entrepreneurs that we do, we have our challenges as well. And it's easy mm-hmm. for us to uh, speak it and to speak into others and to do, you know, all of that, but we're still human. There are things mm-hmm. that we still go through and happen. Um, and we do know too, because you've shared and you share, I mean, you share everything on social media, you know, you're not hiding behind whatever, mm-hmm. but um with you and your challenges with um, lupus and um, mm-hmm. you have your family, your mother, and like you said, your five boys and then your girl mm-hmm. and your grandkids and all of that, <laughs> all of that. So tell us, how is it that you are able to shift and pivot and get over those challenges? And when you have the mm-hmm. day, just don't feel like it, which I know, yeah, you can sit and chill because you know you're bound, you have boundaries and things like that as right. well. But right. just um, how do you work through all of that and still keep it going? Building so I would say first and foremost, as I said before, um, prayer is important every night, the good old fashioned, you know, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to right. keep. Um, I, I share the blessings. I try to pray for others. And then I put in stick in my prayers for myself about what I want. And I pray, <laughs> you know, and then I was taught that don't just make general prayers. I didn't know this until maybe two years ago. Ask specifically for what you want, um, specific prayers. And I was told um, in this session I went to, because I'm always, I'm a sponge for knowledge. I went to a conference and what they said was write down specifically what you want. Yeah. Don't just say, I need to make more money in my business. Speak it out into existence. I please, I'm praying I need to make five thousand dollars this month. I didn't know that I was doing the general prayers, so now my prayers are very specific. But I also have, second to that, I have a plan every single day. I know what I'm doing tomorrow, I know what I'm doing Friday. I have a calendar. And people think because you're an entrepreneur and you're home all day, you can do what you want, when you want, how you want. It doesn't quite work like that. Before Corona hit, I was home every day. It ain't new to me. Zoom is not brand new to me. You know, this life, you know, I've been about this life for some years now. Um, Everything is very strategic and intentional. Every day I have a plan. I have a list. I'm old school where I still use an actual calendar, which is why I gave birth to my own calendar collection because I wanted a calendar that allowed me to work more efficiently. So I write down everything that has to be done. And when it's done, I put a check mark because I'll feel that sense of accomplishment when I can see what I've done. And when you feel motivated and inspired, then you want to work more to do more. If you feel defeated, then you think I can't do it. And then you get mired in fear, confusion, and doubt, and then you waste time. And I don't have time for that because I still have a family that depends on my income. And heck, I depend on my income as well. So when 
every day for me, I'm not a type A anal personality. I'm so far from it, but I'm very conscientious about what I do and very purposeful in what I do. So for entrepreneurs out there, I would say, again, a dream without a plan is just a wish. That dream where I said you have to work a dream to live a dream, you have to have a plan for that dream. Yeah. And 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 then I also work with others. I can't do it all alone. You know, you sometimes you have to hire your weakness. Right. You have to have a team. Mm -hmm. You have to have support. And you don't have to pay for all of it for support. It could just be speaking to somebody, you know, like-minded individual. Right. And there are some that some days and some months that are definitely better than others. Some I'm looking around like, okay, where the clients at? Where they go? (laughs) No. (laughs) You know, and then all of a sudden Then I'll have one phone call, another phone call, another phone call, and then it's very fruitful. So my response would be prayer, have a plan, and do the work. Yes, yes. I think it's important to obviously have that plan because things can get away from you. Mm -hmm. And that plan, that's just um, one of or part of your system. Mm-hmm. You know, especially when you are an entrepreneur or you're working from home, you know, it's it's very important to have that plan and to know what you're doing mm-hmm. and what's happening because it's a lot of things that will come in or can come in and um, distract you, throw you off, you know, and then when you look up, the day is gone yeah. and yep. you have not done the day or the week or whatever. And you find that you haven't done those things that, that, that were the priorities and what you right. need to get done. So, right. Um, and of course, with all that you are doing and it's things that you still have to manage, just like um, with everyone else, without the plan, without the team, mm-hmm. you know, then on you wouldn't be able to chill on those days, you know, when you're right. feeling your best, you know, you wouldn't, you would be like, oh, okay, and I need to be making money and I still have these goals to hit, but now you're out of pocket and it's like, now what? You know, right. so... That's very important to get that set up sooner than later. So that's yeah. nice to hear. Um, and then I had another point to make when you were talking about that. So you hit on, during this conversation, you hit on a few things that are key elements in business for those who are listening, um, making sure you set your revenue goals, you know, knowing what it is that um, target income that you need to make and do talked about your dream, but of course you can dream all day long, but it's important for you to move on it, um, implement it, having a plan, your business plan, a strategy, Mm-hmm. Spoke about how important mindset is. You know, listen, I, I took notes like I'm in class over here. Important <laughs> mindset is um, being around like-minded folk, like we were when we found um, our mastermind or when we were in that. But it, it does, and it does not take, like you said, being in a paid group or mastermind. Right. Right. Just connecting with like-minded individuals and with social media and all of that, that's very easy now because you have all the different groups Mm -hmm. or whatever that you can get into um, for that. And um, repurposing your content Mm -hmm. for those that um, are looking to share their story and to do some other things and to create other revenue streams, Mm -hmm. you know, that's another way 
to do that. So, I mean, we, we are walking away with a whole lot today, um, or sitting here listening, taking away a whole lot that we can use today. And I, I hope that you all who have listened, that this has helped you and it has helped to move you forward or get you unstuck. If prior to listening to this podcast, you were thinking, okay, if only I could just hear one thing, you know, I <laughs> um, hope you've heard more than a few things that you can take away for you to move out. Um, so, Adair, just in us going out, can you just share with the listeners what worth to wealth means to you? When we say worth to wealth. Um, worth to just knowing who you are, knowing your value, um, knowing knowing your value. I was trying to think of a quote that um, knowing your value, understanding your worth. And if you know your value, understand your worth, then that can lead you down the path to wealth. And using my story as an example, I, I knew my value um, and I knew what my story could be worth, <laughs> you know, and I took that and from from my story, the wealth, and not saying that I'm wealthy, and that's an ambiguous statement anyway. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, relative. I, I, yeah, it's relative. But knowing my value, who I was, standing in my truth, you know, and wanted to share my truth, um, knowing what it was worth is what led me to build a business to lead to wealth. And being able to strategically and intentionally and purposefully pull all of that together was very important and is very important. So when you say worth to wealth, to me, worth stands out in knowing your value, understanding your worth, exactly. and then you can put together the pieces of the puzzle that can lead you to wealth. Because if you don't know who you are and whose you are and why you are, then nothing else is going to matter or happen for you. That's it. And it would make your entrepreneurship journey a whole lot harder because it's yes. important for you to know who you are, who you are, you know, and um, knowing your value because that is what, mm -hmm. what is going to help you to go to distance and to sustain and to reinvent and to pivot and all mm -hmm. that because it mm -hmm. comes from inside, you know. It's exactly. Like exactly. Mm -hmm. yes. Well, I mean, I thank you for all that you've shared. Um, and for you all, this has been another edition of the Work to Wealth podcast. And again, I would like to just thank Dr. Adair for coming on today and sharing with us with the Wealth to Wealth podcast. And we look forward to speaking to you all on the next time here at Work to Wealth.